talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hello, one and all, once again, and welcome to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff. Well, it's been about a month or so since we've done one of these, but uh, always good to be back. My name is Nick Wasiliev, and it'll just be me flying solo this week. Uh, the other Nick, Nick Hartman, is currently overseas in Japan, having a well-earned holiday, but I think also, to my knowledge, he's linked up with a couple of those Premier League clubs because they're trying to get into Twiggy's new comp, which, as we found out, is no, is to be no more here in Sydney and Auckland. Those two teams are not going, uh, going to be put on delay until 2021. But um, that bit of news leads very nicely into the person we're interviewing today. So earlier this week, it was announced that uh, Darren Coleman has uh, signed with uh, the Gordon Rugby Club over here in uh, in, in Chatswood in Sydney. And uh, he'll be in charge of looking with looking after them uh, for the 2019 Shoot Shield season. Um, but on top of it, he's also the, the current coach of the New South Wales Country Eagles. So... Um, just as I, I got the chance to have a chat to him uh, as he was flying out to Tamworth uh, earlier today to talk about uh, the New South Wales Country Eagles season in general, what exactly happened with, uh, with the World Series rugby team and his plans to turn Gordon around uh, next year. So please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and uh, joining me on the podcast today is the New South Wales Country Eagles coach and now the new head coach for Gordon Rugby Club, Darren Coleman. Darren, how are you, mate? Good, Nick. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me along. Yeah, mate. No, it's great to, great to chat to you. So I know you're, you've currently just uh, arrived in Tamworth because you uh, the Eagles are playing against Queensland Country, last game of the season uh, tomorrow. It has been a pretty uh, pretty tough season for the Eagles, so... How do you, but you know, how do you aim to knock off last year's champs and, and finish the season on a high? Yeah, it obviously hasn't been a season we we set out for or we planned at the start. Um, a few results didn't go away, and uh, yeah, we just some readers haven't played well enough. Um, and we're going to be challenged this week. Uh, Queensland Country, a strong team. The last two years, they've probably been the form team of the. Obviously, last year's premiers, and then they're they're up there with the the top end pointy end at the moment. Um, how do we attack them, um, or how do we beat them? Um, I think we just got to limit the amount of good quality ball their backs get. So whether that be off off loose kicking or or turnover, or uh, if we allow their forwards to provide a good platform or set piece, they've just got some just some real dynamos from. 12 out really in a good game controlling 9 and 10 so uh, yeah we just got to limit the amount of ball that their, their high quality backs get I guess it'd be the, the one key point we've been talking about mm, yeah exactly It's it always is comes down to limiting the ball and limiting the their chances and it, it's kind of I think it's almost kind of been the story of the Eagles this year because you know so often you guys have come so close to winning you've always been competitive but you know, like you were against Canberra and Brisbane City last weekend, but it's just always, you know, the rough of the green doesn't go your way or, you know, it's, you know, 
something happens and or you just kind of fall out, fall at the at the final hurdle. It's kind of it's been a bit of a struggle for kind of both of the New South Wales teams. Why is it that the new like from your perspective, why have the the New South Wales teams kind of struggled so much? Was it kind of down to the ironing out of organisational stuff between Sydney, the Sydney Rugby Union and New South Wales Rugby? And why why has it been that case? And do you think it can be turned around for next year? Um, that's a very good question, Nick. Um, yeah, I, I guess in summary that this is the first year we've had such a really strong association with the Waratahs and their high-performance unit. Um, obviously, I've, I've been in the NRC now for all five years and, um, and this has been our, our least successful campaign. We're always either in the semis or... Right at the, the doorstep of them, and um, yeah, I guess the main things that we've done differently: the squad selection system was different. Uh, that was controlled a little bit more by the Waratahs. Um, the with the extra sort of sports science support we've had also comes um, outside influences around player loading and. An injury risk and, and that sort of thing and, um, and obviously and rightly so the, the Waratahs staff want to see certain players playing in certain positions and certain combinations so it doesn't leave you to, to run the program fully autonomously uh, whether that's that's whether that's a contributing factor I guess other people will make that decision um, but yeah and I, and I can't speak for the Rays obviously that's, uh, I don't have any knowledge on how how their seasons progressed, obviously, was involved in the original squad selection and how that came about. But um, since then, we've sort of gone our own ways and um, been competitors at such. Um, but, yeah, the results have been disappointing. Um, however, I'd like to think that we, we have promoted a few guys to high levels of footy. We've exposed some club guys to some better footy. Um, we've, we've become tight as a group, which is good, and one of the big things in my mantra as a football coach is to make sure boys have a good overall experience and we've done that we're uh, on our fourth week out in the New South Wales country, uh, country areas and, and we should hopefully get a good crowd here at Tamworth tomorrow and, and let them see some wallabies and some high class footballers take the field so yeah there's been some negatives but there's also been some positives yeah exactly and you know it is good that the Waratahs are still being more involved and it is good to see that kind of interest in it and you know it is important like you say to have a team like the eagles in the in the competition representing uh the country regions where rugby is so strong because i mean you've i mean you've been the eagles coach for their entire history like you said for five years and you yourself you know grew up in kempsey and came through the uh, the newcastle system you know in your time in the team the time off the field with the, t- the players actually being out you know doing those um, coaching clinics and stuff like that and seeing what they do in the communities is a really important thing. How how important is it to have the Eagles going out to these areas and playing games like this? Yeah, just one quick correction. I'm from South West Rocks. I know the, uh, the thriving metropolis of Kempsey would, would like to claim me, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a South West Rocks boy through and through. Um, but yeah, it's great. Like we're about to we're about to leave here soon and go to our captain's run, and then there'll be there'll be fifty to a hundred local kids that come down and have a kick and a play with us after. And um, this afternoon they'll get to rub shoulders with Tolu Lotu, and it was playing a test match in Argentina last weekend, and uh, Jackie Gordon and Paddy Ryan and, and those guys. So that, that from that aspect, 
kids need need idols and they need role models and it's great that they can get exposure um me myself being a, a, a small town country guy I, I still remember vividly the day that um <clears throat> the Cronulla Sharks came to Port Macquarie and I went down to watch them and um mm. and that was rugby league obviously but it's it's still one of my memories as a 10 year old boy that, and the excitement and we drove whatever it was an hour and a half to go and to check that out so I'm sure there's there's bush kids here that, that get that exposure and and, uh, and it leaves a good impression on them and our guys are really good ambassadors the good thing about this year with 60% of our squad is country origin boys I think we're bringing three locals back to yeah. Tamworth today and um, I don't know that I, I, as a, me as a person I've been so proud about to take a high quality football team back to my hometown and I'm sure Paddy, Will McDonald and and, uh, and Mick Snowden were all coming back to their hood they'd um They'd be really chuffed that they get to play footy in front of their own people. Yeah, exactly, and then and that again shows the value of, of having a comp like this, and also the fact that you, like you mentioned earlier, like you've got a whole bunch of new kids playing in the comp, and how and I think because you mentioned, for example, how for you as a coach, it's been a good experience for you because you know losing the NRC Grand Final in twenty sixteen helped you with Ringa in twenty seventeen with them winning their premiership in the Shoot Shield. So it kind of shows the value of, of the of the competition. And kind of I think that's a kind of good point to lead into what's happening what's happened with you this year as well. Because you've had a pretty busy year. I mean you got you you know, you like you got Laringa got their title last year and then you took them again to the grand final this year and then you had the NRC and you were linked up, I think, with that World Series rugby team in Western Sydney before now becoming the coach for, for Gordon. And kind of before I want to get into Gordon, I kind of really want to ask you about what actually happened with that World Series rugby comp, if I can, because, you know, now that team, as well, like about 24 hours ago, it's been leaked that it doesn't look to be going ahead. What kind of happened there? What, what went on with that, with that, with the whole thing with the Western Sydney team? Yeah, it's, a, it's been a funny one. It's been a, obviously a crazy sort of four to six weeks, which sort of culminated in last Friday, me uh, signing with Gordon. Um, I, I first and foremost I had a, an amazing two years at Ringo Rats. It's a, it, it really is an amazing club. It's got uh, so much community support. It, it, it engages with its community perfectly, and it, um, we had a great bunch of guys and and supporters and, and the board and it was just a really uh, it'll be still till the day I die it'll be two of the best years of footy I've ever had and uh, mm. made some great friends and um, when I left there I was yeah in my mind I was heading to this Western Sydney franchise I'd had ongoing discussions with their representatives for quite a period of time and um, and it, yeah it was getting close and then sort of in that last week uh, I started getting some murmurs that it may not get off the ground for 219 and um yeah, got to a Wednesday night last week where, um, where yeah, where it, um, <clears throat> my info from, from friends at the ARU and, and, and the franchise itself, they couldn't guarantee anything still yet. Um, Gordon, Gordon had been around. They, they're, um, they're very ambitious and they want to get their rugby program up and running and they'd reached out uh, some time ago and I sort of, when I got to Wednesday night, I had a conversation with my wife and, we said, well, we should check. This is getting on shaky ground here. I, I need work. So we uh, we reached back out to Gordon, and uh, less than 48 hours later, I was uh, I was a stag and a Highlander. So, uh, yeah, we just had to um, we had to take, I guess, the safe bet there. And as it turned out, it's turned out to be a good decision because uh, 
as you said, 24 hours ago, I'd officially got hit on the head. But the Western Sydney team won't fly this for next year, and and I'm really excited by the by the Gordon Challenge that's coming up. Yeah, that's and that's it is a fair point. It is, it while it is kind of it, it is kind of disappointing that that Western Sydney team isn't going to isn't going to happen. It is encouraging, you know, to see you stick around and also go to Gordon. If that team, do, that Western Sydney team, does kind of arise eventually, I think it, they said twenty twenty one. Do you think how do you think it'll be beneficial for that for the game in Western Sydney um, as a whole? I mean, because there was there is a value in that competition and seeing how it goes. Yeah, it surely does, and obviously I was engaged in it, and there's definitely positives. I, the whole where the sport goes and the administration of it and the direction of it, I'm, that's sort of above my head. I wear track suits, not a, a business suit, and there's people paid to to, to make those decisions. Um, mm. Where From where I was looking at it, um, if there was another professional team or two professional teams in Australia that were had the ability to to send another 30 or 35 players in our country full-time and X number of coaches and strength and conditioning coaches and all that. To me, there was a lot of positives that uh, we can broaden our base of professional players, maybe fend off overseas for all the all the good talent that we lose overseas and, um, and, and maybe be a bit of a feeder there for super rugby teams if that was the way the AAU wanted to take it. Then when you go into the Western Sydney side of things, yeah, there's obviously it's been a, a bit of a kick in the butt for them over the last couple of years, losing Penrose. Um, there's a lot of perception around how much time and effort has gone in and resources have gone into rugby in the Western Sydney, and that's obviously always debated. So if all of a sudden we had a professional franchise there and, and a bunch of um, <clears throat> full-time players getting out and spreading the gospel, then, yeah, there could have been positive. But I do understand that. People above my pay scale, they're making those decisions. They want it to be coordinated and in a streamlined approach. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it all leads to. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's an interesting thing to look at. But yeah, like you, you mentioned, going back for the, kind of for the time being, you've, and now you're kind of signed up as the as the new coach for for Gordon Rugby Club in Chatswood. So you know, while they did have a bit of a, a tough year this year, kind of on the first grade level, you know, historically they're a pretty decorated club and they've got plenty of premierships to show for it. And you know, they've got a great women's team program. Their first Colts made the grand final this year, and I think they also had two other Colts teams get into the finals. So there's a lot of talent um, in that club. What for you? Where kind of will be your first focus with turning those higher grade teams around? Yeah, it's an interesting um, proposition, the whole Gordon project, and it's something I'm going to look to. I've, I've had some experience in that sort of thing before. Actually, in 2005, I coached Penrith, believe it or not, they won a game in three years before I got there, and we won six that year of 2005, and it was still today one of my greatest coaching experiences and most rewarding. Um, when I look at a club or where you're going to go next, uh, if, if it is struggling a little bit, I, I really look to the to the board and more so the president to see what sort of, I guess, um, ceiling they're going to impose on you. And, and in the time I spent chatting to Matt Glascott, the new Gordon president, I got a really strong feel that, that this guy was going to get stuff done. And uh, he really wanted to turn Gordon into it back to its former glory. And um, that gave me confidence that if I could build a, 
high quality football program and he'd have the resources to, to staff it and to, to make it come to fruition and as you said actually all three of their cool students went to GF um, mm. they've always had good depth their thirds and fourth grades have always been competitive and, and playoff teams um, obviously they struggled their lower grades struggled a little bit this year on the back of probably no uh, poor results and, and poor player performances above and guys had to fill holes and play potentially above grades that they're suited to. Um, so, yeah, no, my, my project is to turn that around quickly and that just starts with, first and foremost, getting up the football program sorted. So making sure our medical, our sports science, our strength and conditioning, our training facilities, making sure uh, coaching staff, making sure all those things are all in place and are of high quality first. Then once you've got a football program and good people to help you run it, then you've got to fill the potentially fill some holes in the playing roster. And there's no doubt I won't hide from the fact that yeah, we'll need to. Um, we can't just be relying. I think there's nine kids from there. Mm. Colts won grand final team graduating the grade, but those nine aren't all going to be ready to make an impact at first grade. They're going to take some time, mm. and it wouldn't be fair to be able to. It wouldn't be fair to drop them going straight in, so you've got to make sure that um, they've got some experience and some quality players to, to mentor them and show them through. So it's a bit of a combination. You'll sort of, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do some recruitment. We'll make sure the football program is is professional and run well, and we'll nurture the new talent, the, the young talent that's coming up in the grade. And, and you never know, when you got when you've got a bunch of people that are, are committed to something and passionate about it, prepared to work hard and, and more importantly, work together, um, it can be a powerful tool. So, uh, yeah, although they, yeah, they weren't real competitive this year, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there to turn it around pretty quick. Mm. And it's because it's interesting because I think you pretty much after that this last NRC game on on Saturday, you'll be beginning pretty much diving straight into that um, with an information session in I think it's on October 23rd. Kind of leading into that, so you mentioned kind of lots of things about actually kind of, you know, recruitment, stuff like that. Is the success of it really measured by the success of the first grade or is it always just coming down to the de- building more depth um, within the actual club itself? Oh, I think you can, you can sugarcoat it however you want. And generally, when coaches don't do well, they look for, for, for other positives in their program but yeah no we've got to win first grade games we're mm. not there to yeah you can't you can't have all the rest of your club fire and then your first grade getting hard so um no we'll be we'll be there to compete and I don't we're not we're not shooting above our means but um no we're, we're going to be competitive and we're going to be well organised and we're going to be passionate and we're going to represent the club well and um some of the 80 and 90 point drubbings you've seen them cop this year, they'll, they'll be a thing of the past. This team will compete on every play and it'll, it'll compete till the end. And, um, and as I said, if everyone's, if everyone's committed to it and working hard together, um, you'd be surprised what you can achieve. Mm, exactly. And as, like a, as a new coach coming into kind of that new, that, that kind of setting, I mean, you had a really successful time when you were at Moringa, um, you know, with the, with you know, with you were there for two years and you got them to two grand finals, one of which you um, that they won. Do you think, you know, obviously, is it just a matter for you, kind of, when you come into a new co- um, coaching team or coaching uh, setting, do you try to bring the same scenario that worked at previous thing, uh, previous clubs, or is it a simple case of just seeing what's in front of you um, and kind of acting on that? We always have a plan. I, I think 
yeah, you, you always go into anything, whether it's a game, whether it's a season, it's a new club. You always go in with a plan, and I've got a plan, but yeah, you've got to be adaptable. Like um, the, what, the situation I'm walking into a court is completely separate or different from the situation of the Rats. Rats were a, a top four or five team before I got there. They had a playing roster with some really high-quality and experienced individuals like Josh Holmes, Hamish Angus, Sam Ward, those sort of guys. So they just needed a little more, more guidance and a bit of polish on what they were already doing. Uh, this is a completely different animal. I, I couldn't name... I, I wouldn't know what my first 15 is going to look like or even mm. any of them in round one next year that I've still got five months to build that. Um, so, no, as I said, I, my, my first priority is getting a, a professional football program set up, um, getting to know, I've got to do a bit more research on the players we've got there, watch all their footage and, and figure out who, make my own decisions on who I think can contribute at first grade, who was maybe, there's obviously going to be some players in that team from this year that are first grade standard players and mm. just went surrounded by first grade standard players and, and didn't have the opportunity to put their best foot forward. So for me, figuring out which one of those are, which one of the guys that are existing players are already there, which, which players that are moving up from Colts have the ability to contribute at the higher grades immediately. Um, then once I know where the holes are, recruiting and filling them, and... Um, yeah, and then I'll be a suck and see, I guess. Then from there, we, we'll sort of work our way through it. But yeah, there, there is a plan, but it's not it's not set in stone. Mm. Yeah, and that's and it, it, it's it's kind of fair that you know you have to kind of get your head around that and see it before before kind of nailing down that plan. And kind of, but that kind of leads into that the last kind of point I want to ask you about about this and coming into a new club. I mean, yes, their first grade did really struggle a lot, but like you mentioned, there is a lot of talent. In that, in in the club, kind of, and and often you see when when players kind of you have the guidance of a coach, um, it can really bring out the best footy in a in in these players and make them play levels that that you think that 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 even they can't expect. Kind of as a as a last point, do you think that you know judging by all the talent that they ha- that Gordon has in that Colts side, that I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, they kind of didn't win. They made it to three grand finals with their Colts side, but they didn't win any. Do you think that there is enough talent in that club to start for them to start winning premierships, not just at Colts level, but also into grades and, and even into the shoot shield? Yeah, definitely. As I said, like you, you look at the club as a, because of, of whatever reasons that there wasn't some of that first grade standard players there, or the number of the first grade standard players they need, and then. You've got guys that would be good level third grade players and probably comfortable and happy playing third grade or playing second grade and a bit of first grade. Everyone sort of slid up a little bit than where they should be. Um, you get guys settling into the correct grade. Um, <clears throat> those young players that sort of come up and if they're surrounded by some good mentors, anything can happen with them. And yeah, it's, like you said, it's the rugby world's littered with stories of players that thought were of no worth or, or didn't perform in one environment, they go to a new environment and the coach sees something different or he plays them in a different position or they play in a different style or he's, they've got a forward pack in front of them that's providing them a good ball or those sort of examples and they go through the roof just off the top of my head. You look at Pete Samu, for example, was a yeah. player that was playing second grade at Ramwick and he goes over to New Zealand next thing it's he's a crusader and then he returns as a wallaby like uh, sometimes guys just 
need to be in the environment that's going to get the best out of them. And mm. I'd like to think that if I can provide a, a football program and an environment, there's there's guys there that are are of that level. They just haven't had it dragged out of them yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's and it's amazing, you know, when you right when you are in the right environment and you have the right coach and mentor, the potential that the or the, the quality of rugby that you can play. Um, so for all of our listeners, um, New South Wales Country will be playing their final game of the season tomorrow uh, in Tamworth against Queensland Country, and fingers crossed they can get up and finish the season on a high. Um, thanks very much, uh, Darren, for having a chat to us uh, on the podcast today. All the best and uh, for your for your time next year with Gordon, and hopefully uh, you can bring a shield north to Chatswood. Good on you, Nick. Thanks for your support, mate. It's uh... A great sight there, what the Green and Gold guys are doing. It's another good forum for, for people to follow rugby. So uh, thanks for all your support. Good on you, bud. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. So that was Darren Coleman, the coach of the New South Wales Country Eagles and uh, now the new coach for Gordon uh, that I just had a chat to there. Um, and I uh, wish him all the best of luck for the New South for their game against Queensland Country tomorrow. The other NRC games of the weekend, first of all, will be after the uh, country in the, the country derby, will be the Western Force hosting the Fijian Drua, the Melbourne Rising hosting the Sydney Rays down in Ballarat, and then lastly, the Brisbane City um, hosting the Canberra Vikings in a do-or-die clash for that top, uh, for that uh, semi-final placing. So that pretty much wraps us up here for this episode of the Drop to Kickoff. Um, Nick H should be back for our next episode, and uh, we have got a couple more episodes planned before the end of the year. Uh, so in the meantime, get out this weekend and enjoy your rugby, and uh, we'll catch you the next time round. Well, what did go wrong? I have to look, look, and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? Genius, the magic, Sereli Bombo. Very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sereli Bombo. Very good, very good.